So we have a, a bunch of interesting partnerships, um, mostly with large tech companies, um, but also with like Fortune 500 corporates that, you know, one, start to open up the aperture for, for folks and show new opportunities that they may not have seen before. So, you know, very tactically people send, you know, they come to our community and they say, hey, like, you know, um, by the way, here are some interesting jobs you might not have heard of before. Thank you for listening to Ivy Podcast, where we feature weekly leadership conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Now, here is your host, Fred Obiero. Hello, and welcome to the Ivy Podcast. My guest today is Brittany Bankston. She's the co-founder of Black Product Managers. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for being with us today. Hey, Fred. Thanks for having me. Great. So, Brittany, let's start from the beginning. Tell us a bit about yourself and your role and what inspired you to co-found Black Product Managers. Yeah, so I am currently a product manager at a startup um, called Main Street, but my whole career has been in product management. Um, and I realized with with some friends, so um, you know Mariana and Jules, Walter, the the co-founders of Black Product Managers, they met in the Bay Area um, and just realized there was this gaping hole. Um, you know, they looked at each other across the room at a barbecue and said, "Oh, you." You know, you're you're the only black product manager at your company too. Um, wow, like we should we should connect and and we should share you know tips and tricks and and build build community. So started at the barbecue um, uh, a bit later after Mariana and Jules met. Um, I I joined in as well and just thought it was such a cool community and opportunity. Um, and we really just started in in you know like living rooms and and backyards, um, connecting folks and grew it to the community that it is today, which is now around a thousand black product managers in the U S that's, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that insight. And it's funny to see that it started in a, in a barbecue. Uh, so this is all, uh, how long has this been going on? Uh, if you go back to the, to when you guys started, how long have you guys been in operation for, and how do you guys recruit people to join the, um, the black product managers group? Yeah. So I think in some, it's been around for a little over than four years. Um, but we've only been a nonprofit officially, um, for about a year. So in the last year, it definitely ramped up with, with COVID and um, just the ability to connect with folks remotely that we weren't able to, to connect with previously. Um, and to your question about how do we recruit, um, it, honestly, at the very beginning, it was you know friends connecting with other friends um, and looking out for other folks that are in this situation. And um, it's definitely a, a unique position to be in, to be like the only black product manager at, at your company. So folks tend to see each other out and, and know each other. Um, but then we started to post online, um, you know, put the site up and, and share what we were doing and, and folks started finding us, um, and, you know, sharing with their friends and saying, Hey, yeah, I know, I know someone at this company or, um, you know, you should get this, uh, this person involved, um, we also, we opened the aperture to associate and like entry level folks as well. So people who 
you know, don't have product management experience, but are close and want to make that transition. Um, so we look for folks that are, uh, you know, that want to get into product management so that we can expand, you know, the total number of product managers since, you know, we're not, we're not really sure how many there are of us. That's wonderful. And, and when it comes to yourself, what, what exactly was it that inspired you to want to become a, a product manager to go into the product profession? Yeah, uh, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, you know, leaving college, but I had a really great friend um, and mentor who suggested the, the career path to me. Um, you know, she said, hey, you know, I, I know that you like being at the center of decision making. Um, this is a role that does that. And this is a role that stretches across a bunch of different disciplines and really lets you get your hands dirty building something from the ground up. Um, which I was really excited about as well. Uh, in, in college, I, I studied engineering. So I studied biomechanical engineering. I did some medical device design work, um, you know, during internships here and there, um, and just realized I wanted to go towards software development for the speed. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really lucked out without that mentor. I wouldn't have known really about product management at all and, um, and even had the confidence to, to apply. Wonderful. What are some of the metrics that product teams should look at when it comes to product feedback and idea management? Do you have any suggestions on what has seemed to work well for your teams? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are all kinds of, all kinds of metrics. I, I usually see teams uh, split metrics into like business metrics and customer benefit metrics. Um, so business metrics might be things like usage, um, revenue, um, you know, retention. Um, and I often, you know, folks have dashboards that they use in, in more mature companies to track all of these things and hopefully see the numbers go up and to the right over time. Um, and the customer benefit metrics, um, you know, these might be things like, uh, you know, customer feedback, um, you know, you want the NPS, for example, Net Promoter Score to go up over time. You want people to recommend the product to their friends more. You want it to save them more money. Um, you know, you want it to save people more time, things like that. So I think the, the strongest product teams have a really good grasp on both types of metrics. Um, and they're able to prioritize effectively across. What are your thoughts on the future of product and, and what role do you see diversity playing in that? Please share any specific examples that you may have. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, right now, it, there are definitely more product manager roles um, than I think there are existing product managers. Um, it's definitely a growing field. Um, you know, technology is booming. It's that type of role that didn't really exist, you know, 20 years ago. Um, it wasn't something that you could study for in a university. Uh -huh. um, a lot of the structure that we put around it and the, you know, expectations we have about experience um, is, is really new. Um, and a lot of it's, you know, made up by the people who, um, you know, were, were here first. So... I, I see it growing a bunch. I see the aperture widening a bunch um, to, to let in more diverse skill sets um, and, and more diverse backgrounds of folks. 
Um, I think we've all seen the power of really successful products and um, having diverse folks in those room making those decisions or folks from diverse backgrounds um, really changes the trajectory of, of a company. Um, you know, we, we want the people creating the products to look like the people that are using them or to represent the people that are using them. Um, you know, we've seen lots of companies make, make mistakes publicly when they leave out uh, a particular group or a particular perspective. Um, so yeah, I, I think diverse is going to play a huge role and I'm, I'm excited to see teams become more diverse over time. It's funny because, um, you know, also working in the space of product, a lot of people tend to ask me, what, you know, what is it that you guys do for product? What, what is this role? Explain this to me because I've never heard of it. So when, mm. when people think of product management or product design, some may be wondering if their companies actually need these roles. What mm. value do you believe product management plays to an organization? Are there, are there some misconceptions that you've heard people mention as it relates to product management in, in your time in this industry? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely heard that too, that skepticism. Um, and I think it's, it's well, um, you know, I think, I think it makes sense that people have that skepticism, especially because it's so new and it changes so much. And frankly, the definition of PM from company to company changes. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, I think the role of the, of the product manager is to put structure around decision-making um, for any product team and to, you know, coordinate and collaborate across so that, you know, the best ideas are done and they're done quickly and effectively. Um, I think a lot of teams are pretty bad at this. You know, I think it's really, really hard to pick you know, what are we going to build next? Um, what's the highest impact thing that we could build? The thing that's going to, you know, do the most for our customers or expand our market the most. Um, those are really complex decisions. And there are people that speak so many different languages within a company. Um, you know, they could be coming from a design background or coming from engineering background or, or coming from business background. And, um, and it's, it's, and vital to have someone that can speak across so that, you know, the right and the best decisions are, are made. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I'm optimistic that people are seeing, you know, the difference between companies that are, uh, you know, moving really quickly and super successful that have this kind of X factor product talent um, you know, I think that those results will, you know, drive more interest in the field and, and hopefully, you know, drive up more roles as well. I want to follow up on something that you mentioned about, you know, you have to do all this prioritization of items that you may have in a backlog. And in a lot of companies, like you said, you know, you have different departments, they have different priorities. So you end up with a whole list of competing priorities as a product manager, you have to manage this. How, how do you go about prioritizing the right things um, and you know, making sure that those that have the most value are the ones that are prioritized over everything else? And not to say that the other ones are not as important, 
but you have to make that decision that's going to impact a whole lot of departments and a whole lot of products. How do you go about making sure that, you know, what you prioritize is above all else better over everything else that is still good? Yeah, um, I, I think it's a great it's a great question. I I like to use three lenses um, when I think about prioritization. So there's desirability, how desirable a concept is to a customer or a feature. Uh, there's viability, so how big of an impact is this going to have on the business? Um, is there an impact? Can we actually define it? Uh, and then feasibility, how hard is it to do? Um, you know, how much time do we think it's going to take to build? Uh, what's the operational complexity, the legal complexity, the compliance complexity, what have you. Um, there's also a bonus lens, which I, I think, you know, which I'd like to actually see become even more a part of decision-making with, with product management. Um, something I'd like to, to do more of, which is impact. Uh, and that could be social impact, um, you know, impact to the environment, uh, what have you. I think it's it's a lens that sometimes tends to be to be missing. But with desirability, viability, feasibility, I think you can take any concept um, and understand the the scope of of that concept on on how it might affect the team and how it might affect the business and how it might affect the customer. So in my experience, um, depending on how, big the ideas are or what the stages of, of a concept. Um, I like to create checkpoints for people to make decisions and for people to look at the data across those three lenses so that they have they have the most informed, um, they can have the most inform informed hypothesis and you know hopefully make the best choice forward. Um, I think it also works uh, you know, not only in product, I think those three lenses work, uh, you know, if, if you're a VC and you're thinking about whether or not a startup is going to be successful. Um, so I, I think they're, they're pretty wide reaching lenses. Earlier in the show, I asked you about how you ended up working in product. And for our listeners that may be interested in becoming product managers or product owners, what are some of the skills that would serve them well? in order for them to excel in these types of roles? Yeah, I, I think the biggest one is, is entrepreneurial problem solving. Um, you know, I think product managers are able to be pretty quick on their feet um, and find problems, put structure around them and solve them. Um, I, there are all kinds of other, you know, skills around planning and execution and collaboration and you know do you understand agile um which i think are are good and i think the product management field right now definitely biases roles on previous experience so people are looking for you know a pm that's done it before um but i think entrepreneurial problem solvers um they're able to, to pick it up and they're able to learn quickly on the job and provide a lot of value really, really fast. Um, and I think you can be an entrepreneurial problem solver in basically any field, um, you know, and, and you can also be an entrepreneurial problem solver in your day-to-day -day life. Um, so I've seen folks who want to get into product management, who want to become a product owner, 
you know, take it upon themselves in their existing role. Um, you know, perhaps they're an engineer and find ways to, to contribute and flex those skills to give themselves that step in the right direction um, to hopefully make that transition. What I like about what you just said is it, it definitely shows that there's no one path that leads to someone working in product. You know, it, it's something that did not exist several years ago, and now it's becoming more and more prevalent in different organizations. So I'm, I'm glad that our listeners can, can actually grab this concept and understand that you can come from, you know, a whole lot of backgrounds and still be successful once you join product. So that's the one thing that I, I find to be really fascinating about this industry. Definitely, yeah, I, I think it opens up a lot of doors. Um, you know, I think it can open doors from a, like an entry into technology, it can open doors into entrepreneurship, it can open doors into venture capital, um, I think it's a really powerful, powerful role um, and one that I, I wish just had more visibility. True. Yeah, because I've, even on this podcast channel, I've had um, people that work in product that came from engineering, just like yourself. I've had folks mm-hmm. that came from marketing. I have folks that came from sales and, and they all have risen up. Some of them are VPs of product. Um, so it's wonderful to see that, Hey, there's no, just one path. If, if you're really passionate about this, it's possible. Totally. Totally. Right. So let's talk about, you know, the world that we've been living in over the last you know year or so. I know things are changing and I'm talking about COVID because, um, right now a lot of vaccines are getting, um, you know, issued out to people and things are going to start going back to sort of normal. And a lot of us have been working remotely over the past year, of course, due to COVID-19 and social distancing. I'd like to know, you know, what are some of the creative things that you and your teams have done for team bonding activities so as to make sure that productivity and synergy remains high, even though teams are decentralized? How did you guys go about that and making sure that people are constantly motivated, even though they don't see each other, um, at least physically? Yeah, it's, it's pretty hard. Um, I mean, there are all kinds of things that we tried early on um, to try and foster that, that community. Like, uh, you know, we tried to schedule in social time. We tried to schedule in like a water cooler, Zoom. We tried to do happy hours. We tried to send photos of what we were eating for dinner. You know, we tried to have, you know, community around dogs and cats and pets and, and try and find, you know, moments of connection outside of just work, um, which we really, um, I think struggled with. I think we, we put in all, all kinds of practices, but then people were feeling myself included, just the fatigue around, you know, it's too much zoom. It's the world is just too much right now. Um, how do I, uh, how do I go on, you know, in this, in this world? Um, I, I think we shifted, you know, maybe six months in, uh, to more of a focus on, on just mental health and making sure people had the space for mental health and the space to, take time off and take that time away from the computer and turn off their camera and go outside so that they could 
be their full selves and contribute to the community. Um, the latest you know, tool I, I've seen though that um, really impressed me was this uh, Slack integration called Bonusly. Uh -huh. um, and it's basically just a way for colleagues to shout each other out on Slack. Um, so it doesn't require any Zoom, but you can go in and you can say, hey, you know, plus 100 Fred. Fred really helped out on the customer call today. Um, he, he really took it from you know, zero to 10. Um, and that actually can link to compensation bumps and you know, can link to different incentives later on. But just having a way to shout people out and celebrate people and putting even like a, a point value behind it to, to gamify it and make it feel fun um, has really injected a lot of positive energy into, into our Slack channels. Oh, that's, that's actually wonderful to hear because, you know, things like those people take it for granted, but it's, it's one easy way to motivate your team members and your colleagues, especially yeah. given, you know, we've all been living through difficult times. And as a follow-up to this, I'm, I'm, I'd like to know, what have you learned? You know, we talked about now things are going to start getting back to normal with, with, with vaccines, you know, being rolled out. What have you learned looking back to before COVID and having worked through, you know, probably one of the most challenging times of our lives? What, what is it that you took away from that, that you're going to apply, you know, to your profession, to how you engage with others in the future? Is there anything that, that stands out to you? Yeah, you know, I think we're all whole individuals. Um, it, it became really clear early on in COVID that, you know, the people on the other side of the screen that I was talking to had these very whole lives, you know, their kids were, you know, running around in the background, there was a cat there, they were, you know, stressed out because of a, um, you know, a conversation they just had with a friend. It, it, it really started to, to open up that, that picture about people and drive a new level, level of compassion. Um, and I, I want to make sure that I take that into, you know, the next chapter of my career, then, you know, when this all goes away, like that, we all feel like there's a, a whole person, you know, on the other side of, of where, however we're speaking with someone, whether that's online or in person, um, and you know that that we're all uh, you know in this in this together. That's true. <clears throat> One thing that I can share is you know I work with a lot of clients. I speak with a lot of executives. There used to be before you know a time before COVID when companies did not want to have any of the employees working remotely because there was this um, misunderstanding. I would say that you know when people are not in the office, productivity goes down. But what actually happened was the reverse because. People don't have to worry about, you know, commute times to the office, getting up early. So those are times that people are actually spending in front of their computers and people are working yeah. even longer hours. Now it became a problem that people are not taking breaks. Uh, yeah. People sometimes are, you know, they're getting overwhelmed because they're spending too much time working and the social life kind of took a hit. So that's to me, yeah. one of the things that I learned the most. I, I don't know what you have to say about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely noticed people working the later hours and 
and feeling like, hey, yeah, I, I can schedule that meeting a bit later because everybody's online. Right. Um, and it it does drain, you know, all of us. Um, and and yeah, and I don't I don't believe it it needs to be glamorized. You know, I don't believe like the overworking and the like everybody is stressed out um, is is a sustainable way to, to live. Um, and we definitely struggled with that, with that last year, um, on my teams, you know, alike. So it's, it's something that I'm, I'm glad corporate America and, you know, all these, these companies have realized the power of remote work. Um, you know, I really hope that we see people, um, get, really interesting jobs in places that perhaps those jobs weren't available before. Um, I hope that the wealth gap starts to decrease because people are, um, cause we're able to distribute work in a new way. Um, you know, I hope that the, the gap, the, you know, what diversity and inclusion and inequity, I hope that starts to close as a result of these changes and you know, people are able to see each other in a new way. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, overall, it makes me feel really optimistic about the future of work. Um, but, but yeah, it's it definitely is something I, I struggled with as well. Right. And that's actually a good segue to what was going to be my next question um, around diversity. In what ways can companies improve on diversification in underrepresented areas, such as in product management, for example? What, what are some of these strategic recommendations that you believe would help to not only attract minorities into product, but also to help organizations improve on their diversification efforts? Yeah, this is, this is a great, a great question. Um, one that I, I get asked, asked a lot um, in, in black product managers. We, I would start at you know, what skills are you looking for? You know, in, if you're looking for a product manager role, like take a really hard look at your job description and start there and understand actually like, Hey, you know, what, what skills did I actually take away from my last job? You know, what skills do you actually need here? What experience really matters? Um, and is, you know, is this just the job description? Because, it, that's what the industry says it is, um, or is there room for us to be more creative about how we think about talent and how we think about um, previous skills? Um, and then I, after after reassessing that, um, I, I look at who you have relationships with and who you trust today. Um, and if the people that you have the closest relationships with um, tend to look like you, then there's probably a gap there and you're probably not reaching over the line and getting, um, you know, building trust and building relationships with diverse sources of talent. Uh, so I, I think, you know, a lot of people can go online and, you know, find things like black product managers and, and, you know, post a job description. Um, but it means something different when someone's really trying to build that relationship and build that trust and, you know, think through what, you know, what are those, what does that community need right now? What, what kind of support are they looking for? Um, as opposed to just, you know, giving someone a, a job description and saying, Hey, apply here. Let's make sure we have 
X number of people at the top of the funnel. Um, and then I would, you know, beyond that, like HBCUs, there are thousands and thousands of black engineers, you know, designers, um, there's so much STEM talent coming out of HBCUs. Like that is a very clear bed for folks to, to rethink how they're currently sourcing talent. And, and I think there's so much opportunity for partnership and growth and, and what have you there that folks could, could tap into just assuming that they've, they've established some trust. Um, the final, the final piece of the recommendation around like, how do you improve diversification efforts? Um, I think people have to think about retention and belonging as baked in to the, their process. So they need to track things like, do people feel like they belong in the company? You know, that's a yes or no question. And you can see those answers correlating with people deciding to leave companies over time. So you want to build a company where everybody there says, yes, I feel like I belong. Um, you know, it's a feeling, it's a fuzzy thing, but, but it's something that, that you can strive for. And with that, I think having tracking in place and having processes that um, make the underrepresented groups feel heard and feel like they belong, you know, you'll be able to keep the talent there, not just attracted in the first place. What role does Black product managers play in, in making sure that there's progress being made um, for minorities in these types of roles. Do you guys partner with, with organizations to, to help them fill positions? How, how do you guys go about making sure that, hey, we have a lot of people in our community that could be qualified for these positions, but they're not getting those opportunities. How can you help them? Do you guys uh, do that with uh, other organizations? Yeah, so we have a, a bunch of interesting partnerships, um, mostly with large tech companies, um, but also with like Fortune 500 corporates that, you know, one, start to open up the aperture for, for folks and show new opportunities that they may not have seen before. So, you know, very tactically, people send, you know, they come to our community and they say, hey, like, you know, um, by the way, here are some interesting jobs you might not have heard of before. Um, that That's a start. You know, I think what we also do is try and boost the education of the community and give folks that access to um, really interesting speakers, really interesting experts, um, great product strategy content, um, like kind of the 101 on, on product skills and, and interviewing so that they feel confidence um, and, and they feel that that support when they're thinking about new roles. Uh, we also very formally have programs to help folks level up. So we have programs to help people with promotions. We have programs to help folks with interviewing. Um, and we partner with large corporations on, on that content. You know, we'll um, try and find experts to come in to say, hey, like, yeah, this is, this is what you might need to, to get to the next level in, in this industry. Um, and I think that the last piece is really around fostering community, uh, you know, just making people feel less alone, um, that 
is probably the biggest driver of confidence. It's like, it's when you apply for a job and I've definitely had it happen to me and you, you know, don't get in, you might start feeling, wow, like, you know, I'm just not good enough or wow. Like this career path's not for me. Um, and black product managers provides the community and support so that you don't, you don't feel that way. Um, or if you do, you know, you have people you can go to, to, to have conversations, people who've been there. Um, so it, it really helps people feel like, yeah, I, I can do this and I can get that next job or get to the next level or, um, you know, support my company on, on their diversity and inclusion efforts. Uh, I think often black product managers are also placed with that load of, you know, they have this company with, um, you know, and they realize there's this problem. And so they come to the black leaders in the company and ask for support and, you know, whether that's, that's right or wrong is, is one thing, but we're able to, you know, reach across the, the aisle and, and community um, to have folks have conversations with each other about, you know, what, what to do um, and best practices when you're in those really tough conversations with, with leadership um, and really, really tough conversations with engineers or what have you. So, so yeah, those are the, the ways that, that we support. Brene, that's a very detailed um, explanation and something that I believe or, or listeners will, will take a lot of value in. So thanks a lot for sharing that. And last question, um, I normally ask this to all my guests, what has helped you to get to where you are and what, what of advice would you give to someone that wants to pursue a career that, that's similar to yours? Yeah, I mean, I, I really value relationships. Um, you know, that's something that I think I learned from my mother. Um, she was really good at uh, writing thank you notes. You know, she was really good at, you know, giving someone, a, giving the bus driver a carrot cake, you know, if after school, uh, you know, just because. Um, and I think it's those relationships that I prioritize that had helped give me a lot of perspective on what I could do and what I could achieve. Um, I think, you know, next to that, my, my dad is, is definitely super entrepreneurial and I learned a lot from him about what, you know, how to break different boundaries and how to, you know, break some of the rules when it comes to uh, thinking about your next opportunity. Um, you know, I think a lot of people see opportunities on online and they say, well, you know, I don't have enough experience. I can't do that. Um, or, oh yeah, you know, I didn't get that promotion. And so, you know, I guess that's on me. Um, and I think that the opportunity is just so much, so much bigger than that. Uh, and I think there are so many jobs that people don't even know exist because, you know, they're not asking. Um, so I think he, he really taught me that hustle around making sure that you are asking um, and you're, you're putting yourself in situations where there is interesting growth opportunity. Um, so, so yeah, I think those are the two the relationships and, um, you know, asking, asking for that support and, and finding my way to opportunity and, and growth. Right. So networking and um, not being afraid to ask. Brittany, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Fred. This was great. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ivy Podcast. 
please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.